Y'all. Folks. This is this is it. This, we're done with interviews. This inter- Nothing will ever top this interview. Uh, this interview was incredible. We're talking to Ava Cherry. She is an artist of her own right, but also spent time doing backup vocals and dating David Bowie. She did background vocals for Luther Vandross. Yes. If there's a famous person around that time, she's probably met them. She met all the Beatles. She met the Rolling Stones. Like... You but, read her book. You'll be blown away. Yes. But even past that, in our about 30 or 40 minutes that we talked to her, her soul just comes through. And she has so much heart for women in society. Mm-hmm. You'll hear us get a little political, but you know what? Hey, whatever. And, you know, she brings so much wisdom to the music industry, to women I, I could just eat eat this. I could have talked to her for another two hours. Easily. But, you we know. We didn't have two hours. We didn't have two hours. <laughs> it's 8 p.m. as is. But, Ava, you are welcome to come back on for a part two of Anytime. Storytime. I am here for a Storytime with Ava. I'm just pitching this now. Storytime with Ava. Storytime with Ava. Um, and after we finished this interview, we deliberated with the committee and with Rody and decided that Ava is going to be our very first interviewed patron saint. So Ava, if you are listening, welcome to the sainthood of the women who have pioneered and kicked ass along the way in rock and roll. You are such a worthy inductee. You're in good company with Dolly, which we talk about for yes. those of you listening. Um, so with that, I'm Leah. And I'm Bethann. And this is Shio Rakio. Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, pull up before I haunt you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. This is Shio Rakio. So we are joined tonight by someone who we are absolutely thrilled to talk to. This is the wonderful, beautiful, talented Ava Cherry. Hi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I've been looking forward to this e- uh, interview since I got the email. I finished your book last night so that I'd be super prepared for this. Oh, fantastic. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I kept texting Beth Ann the whole time. I was like, you'll never guess who she met. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I met so many people, so many over the years. It's just been a a journey that uh, has been just wonderful. You know, some parts of it were kind of, wow, I wonder why that happened, but most of it was just an amazing experience. The thing that amazed me the most was if you had an opportunity, you just seized it with no second thoughts, and I'm not that brave. (laughs) And, you know, that's exactly because what I tell people and youngsters is that, uh, you know, you you don't have people telling you what you can't do. You don't have people giving you limitations on your life. It, I, I, I really did always work on my impulse. I'd be like, when I was home and I was just butting out and I would say to my mom, I gotta go to LA. And she'd go, what? <laughs> I said, I gotta go to LA. And she'd go, why? And I said, I don't know, something's out there for me in LA. I gotta go. And can I get the money? <laughs> she, she would give me the money to go. You know, my mother always trusted my judgment. 
you know, when I first went to Europe looking for David Bowie and all that, she was like, I had $200 in my pocket. She gave me $200. She goes, you're going to, you're going to go on $200. And I was like, yeah, mom, I'm going, I got to find him. And I did. And I made my way and I found my way. And, you know, you got to take risks sometimes with your life, you know, not, not dangerous risks, not skydiving. I'm not going to do that. You know, but, <laughs> no, thank you. No. But, but of course, you have to trust that some of the decisions you make, even though they seem risky, can take you to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, so to backtrack a little bit, for listeners who may not be familiar with you or your story, give us the elevator pitch of who is Ava Cherry. <laughs> well, you know, I I don't totally know yet. You know, I'm still, <laughs> still I'm still on that journey, girls. I'm still on that journey of who I am, and I'm discovering new things even more every week, every month, every year, whatever. But I think my essence is just that I was always I'm a free spirit. I'm I'm a spirit who who feels everything in life, wants to. Um, and embraces change, embraces new experiences, new people, and uh, just going from, from, from one thing to the next in, in life, you know? I mean, you know, The Splendor in the Grass was, was a movie with Warren Beatty. That was meant to say that when you were young, young, you know, the only time that you experienced splendor in the grass is when you're a teenager or when you're young in your 20s or whatever. But no, you experience, you can experience it here. You know, there's, there's things that have happened to me that I'm like, wow, right now, I mean, a lot of my peers are not working. They're not doing anything. And, and I know they're frustrated. But I just decided that I was going to come outside of the box. I wasn't going to, you know, just be uh that okay you know you're this certain age or at this certain time in your life you know that's it for you no i i refuse i refuse that i love that so much um so you did just write a book it's called all that glitters the ava cherry story what made you decide that now was the time to write the book well truthfully I, i when when covid happened just before covid happened i was talking to a few people about it or actually I would be telling stories to people and they go, oh my God, you got to write a book. You got so many stories, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, okay, I, I will write a, write a book. And so I met Lisa and she was she was a rock journalist. She said, Ava, I'd love to do your story. And um, Lisa Torum and I said, okay. So we started, but we really started during COVID because when COVID happened and everything shut down, it was like, I refused to shut down my life in mm-hmm. everything because mm-hmm. as it was it was very difficult as it still sort of is but not as much for performing artists we couldn't perform mm-hmm. there was no no venues were open i released a song called testify love that was a really hot song and all the djs said if we weren't having COVID right now i'd be bumping this song all day long all night long in mm-hmm. my club so you you win some and you lose some because i put it out at, not knowing that COVID was going to happen right. march yeah. march and and then, you know, even though everybody loved it, it did not do what it could have done because of we were restricted, you know. So um, I just I said, OK, well, I'm going to do the book. And then I just started talking to her and we started putting it together. And that's really how it happens. And it happened. And I said, I'm going to get this book out. I'm going to get this book done through COVID, period. 
period, no matter what. And so that's how it worked out. I'm glad that you had the time to sit down and write it because yeah. I feel like you don't get a lot of time to just sit and chill in your normal daily life. Mm-hmm. It was no, like no, a perfect it, opportunity. It really was. It, it, it was because, um, like I said, you know, I could be in, I could see, uh, go inside myself, tell the stories. I could, I really thought about everything that happened and kind of went through the experience again of how all the things that happened that led to, you know, when I actually got to, you know, in my whole life, but when I got to Bowie, because he was such an important part of my life. And because I I was in love with him, he was like the first man I was really in love with. He, you know, he was my mentor and he, and and I, I felt safe with him. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, Uh, Mm -hmm. speaking of Bowie and to give kind of a teaser to the book, for listeners, can you tell us one of your favorite Bowie stories? Wow, gosh. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Okay, okay, I got one. So um when we were in, in the Bowie is, I don't know if any of you got to see the Bowie is ex- uh, exhibition in any no. of the states. It didn't really come the- close to us, I don't no, think. Unfortunately. Oh, because I represented it in here in Chicago at the MCA. And um in the in the in you know there were all these different uh, costumes and then there were all these different uh, uh, plastic things that had you know things he wrote blah, blah blah and then there was this one page out of his diary he used to write diary all the time but I never looked in his diary and so while I was talking to the people in the, in the museum they said oh did you see this about you in the in the I said what and I looked and it said January thirtieth today I introduced Ava to a beetle. John Lennon, and we recorded Fame at Electric Ladyland. And I was like, no, nah, I never even knew he wrote that. I never saw that, you know? It was so cool, you know, because they, so they took cool. it out of, his, out of his diary, but that's not the story. So here's the story. <laughs> Get to Electric Ladyland in New York, which was a studio, mm-hmm. and David is all flustered. He's so admiring of John Lennon. He loves John Lennon so much. He's so like, oh my God, we're going to see John Lennon. John Lennon keeps talking. I've never saw him like that with anyone. He was not overly impressed with everyone. And so, but this was like a cute, impressed. He was like a little kid, you know, getting ready to get a great lollipop or something, a dream sickle. And he said, um, he turned around to me, he goes, he's going to be here soon. He, he goes, he goes, I wonder if he wears those granny glasses all the time. And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> he was sitting there waiting, the doorbell rings. He goes and opens the door and there's John with the granny glasses on. <laughs> and he turned around to me, he goes, He's just got a lot. And John, you know, hugged him and they were so um, like brothers and they were so, uh, it was just a wonderful session. John playing his 12 string and and then we did Fame. And then David told me to go into the studio and put the Fame, 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 where it's me, John, and David doing that in the end of the song. I love what that. a moment. <laughs> Holy shit. It was really something because I mean, and, and John Lennon, he's forever in my heart. The be- the, the the nicest of the Beatles to me. Yeah. Uh, Ringo was really sweet too. really sweet guy. Still now he is, you know, 
Um, the others were nice, but they were who they were. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but John really was, uh, you know, respectful. And here it is. John respected women's liberation. Mm-hmm. John mm-hmm. had Yoko. And I'm telling you, the reason they used to say that the Beatles hated Yoko. And I used to wonder why. But it was because she was for women's liberation. Yeah. That's why. She would like not take no nothing, you know. And yeah. um you can say definitely, I mean, with Yoko's career, she's just like, I'm gonna do what I need what to do. I feel to do. And he followed yeah. her. He 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 went along with everything she wanted to do and their interaction together. Like, like, here's another little story. So we were sitting, we were in the Dakota in their place. And you, I don't know if you know what the Dakota is like, but it's these, it's this building with all these huge, almost like homes, you know, like, like five huge rooms, you know, bedrooms and whatever. It's, it's like mansions in there. It's like unbelievable. So we're sitting in the, in this room. There's a, a sofa on one side of the room. Me and David are sitting there. They're over on the other side. And Yoko's sitting there, and John is curled up in her lap like this. And David looks over at me, and he goes, why is he over there curled up in her lap like that? (laughs) And I said, because he loves her and respects her so much. I mean, and then when David David had these puzzled look on his face, John was laughing. John was like, he just doesn't understand. I love this bitch. Okay. He just does not understand. And so what if he doesn't? But they became such good friends. Oh, that's... I, I also love the story about when they asked you to make breakfast and Yoko was like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> that was, I, I didn't, okay. So David is, we were all up until, you know, six in the morning and we're sitting in the kitchen laughing and everything. So David looks around at me, he goes, so honey, make us some coffee and some, some breakfast. So I was probably the one to do it. I was happy just to be there. I I yeah. wasn't on my women's live trip, even though I am a free spirit and a person that believes that you you do as a woman that you're equal to a man. Mm-hmm. But um, so when so 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 when he told me to do that, Yoko goes, Oh, no, 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 no. She goes, She'd been up late like you and me and John, and she's tired too. Why should she have to cook breakfast? And David's like, I can't believe she said that to me. (laughs) At first, her and David kind of didn't get on because she said that to him. And he didn't understand it because even though he was a great person and he treated me well and he never abused me, he still had a little bit of male chauvinism in him. Sure. Okay. And so she said, no, no. She went to me, no, no, no. You just sit down. And so I did. (laughs) That was it. When Yoko Ono tells you to sit down, it's like, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> say no more. <laughs> I know, darling, I know. It was great. It was great. I love that. Um, so you have you have a lot of Bowie stories in your book, but you also have a lot of Luther Vandross stories in your book as well. Oh, man, Luther, Luther was the best. I mean, honey, we had 10, 10, let me see, when we were getting ready for a tour, we had 10 hour days, six days a week. Yeah, it and sounded we exhausting. Were, oh my God. Because we had to wear 50 pound gowns with trains and learn how to walk in them in six inch heels. 
it was very difficult. I mean, Lisa Fisher and I ended up crying sometimes in the rehearsals. We were like, oh, God, the dress is so heavy today. Oh, God, you think you're going to trip or whatever. But you know something? I loved that hard work, guys, and to your audience. I loved it. It was like I felt so whole that, you know, I was tired when I was done. But, honey, by the time we got to that show, People were coming up to me afterwards going, you know, how did you do all that choreography? I mean, it looks so effortless. Yeah, but after six days a week, 10 hour days, of course it did. Mm-hmm. Because Luther believed in rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. And I'm going to say that anybody doing a show, they know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do a great show, it's got to be rehearsal, rehearsal. So you know it in your sleep, mm-hmm. you know? And I just enjoyed it so much. I just enjoyed getting out there. And me and Lisa were like, you know, we'd be like on stage, but honey, we would come off stage and we'd get out of the costumes and we'd go running through the hall. And people would come to us and go, was that you just on stage with that gown on? Yeah. But you're different. I, yeah, guess what? I'm 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 an artist. When I'm on stage, I'm doing my job. When I'm off stage, I'm Ava. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to pretend. I never pretended, or or. And I think that was one of the things that Bowie really loved about me is that I was real and I never was pretentious. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a long time, and people were kind of. After a while, I mean, they thought I was just a flash in the pan, and then I was just there and there, and and, and then they started to resent it. Some of them mm-hmm. that I was there, you know. But, honey, I wasn't going nowhere as long as that man loved me. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. <laughs> um, I need a visual though. How big were these eyelashes that you talk about? The sweeper oh my eyelashes. God. Honey, those were like the Bambi eyelashes. They were like, <laughs> I can go and show you a pair right now. They were like. They go like this, right? <laughs> Did it like stall your yeah. vision? Like no, 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 okay. no, no. But Luther wanted us to wear them because you could read them all the way from the top of the arena. That makes sense. So he would, he would say, "I want those Bambies on them girls. I want them Bambies." So one night I came on stage and we didn't have any more Bambies, and he had to use the other ones. And me and Luther are doing. And he looks at me. He goes, "Where's the Bambies?" And I'm like, doing it. Oh, he was so annoyed by it. He was doing as soon as we got off stage, he was like to the makeup artist, Jeff Jones, Jeff, why didn't they have on the Bambies? I didn't never, I told you I want them to I want you to buy boxes and boxes of Bambies. I want them to have those Bambies on every time. So we never was that way out the Bambies again, honey. He's got an eye though. He he could I mean I oh, can't pick out was. eyelashes. I can't pick out eyelashes like that. Oh wow. You know, now I didn't used to know how to put them on, but now I do. I put them on. Boop, they're on. <laughs> he was really just ahead of his time because now everyone wears those yes. for fun. <laughs> you know, he really was because but, but with those those art deco gowns that we had on, we had to have like really depth to our eyes because like I said, we would have to read to we would be in 25,000 seater arenas and we'd have mm-hmm. to be able to read from far away so that was that was a, quite an experience and, and and wearing those gowns those gowns we wore they were all hand beaded art deco and 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 they were fifty thousand dollars I mean twenty thousand dollar gowns mm-hmm. they were twenty 
Each gown cost twenty thousand dollars, and every every night they were all hand beaded by these little old ladies. We just hand beat, and we'd be losing beads on stage, step on them, whatever. And, and Lucy would be like, "I want every single one of those beads put back on them for tomorrow night." So they were like all night long rebeating our dresses. The most amazing experience. And then they have staves in them. Oh, honey, it hurts sometimes. <laughs> I can was, imagine. I love that. Oh, my God. But I loved the glamour. It was so glamorous. So yeah. glamorous. And I'm sure on stage, it read incredibly well. Yes. Oh, my God. The audience has screamed. When we came out with our gowns on, they were like, oh, oh my God. They look incredible. <laughs> and, and Luther was about, he had such good taste. He had such good taste. And it was another thing about Luther. Luther was one of the most generous people that I know. He was a generous man. I don't care with my birthday, at least three birthdays, Christmas. Every single birthday, I had a new Louis Vuitton bag or a Kiesel scene belt or a, a Gucci wallet. He never, he was, he was, or a mink coat. He he gave us, he, the girls, the guys, the, the band kind of got mad sometimes. He never gave the band anything, but he gave us everything. He's got to keep you happy. That's you got to right. deal with him. Yeah, <laughs> no. 50, 50 pound dresses every yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> gotta make it worth that. I mean, I would wear yeah. a 50 pound dress for a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, well, like, just be back. honest. Well, I'll complain at first. Wait, but then I'll get Gucci, with the program. Right, baby. For a Gucci bag, you like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever you need me to do. <laughs> um, so obviously you've been in the industry pretty much your entire life. How have you seen things change over the course of your career? Well, I'm not very happy at some of the things I see and hear because when I was coming up, you really had to you really had to sing. Mm-hmm. You really had to deliver a song. I mean, it wasn't so much you being the soprano, but you really had to sing that song with soul and conviction. And you and you know, you had to have talent. These days I see all these people on the award shows and I'm like, Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? I don't know their names. It's not that I'm being funny. I'm not trying to put anybody down. Please, guys, new school music. I think some of it is really good. Mm -hmm. But I don't know the people. And it's like you knew who Stevie Wonder was. You knew who Gladys Knight was. You knew who Rita was. You knew who Marvin Gaye. You knew Michael Jackson. But you don't, a lot of these people, you don't know who they are now. And and they make superstars out of people too fast. You know, Mm -hmm. they did one little song and they didn't even really do it that great, but they get a Grammy. You know, Mm -hmm. now in my day and when I was coming up, you couldn't slide down a a dancer's pole and get a Grammy. But... (laughs) Megan the, the Stallion did, and, and mm-hmm. so did Cardi B. And I'm like, I'm seeing them come on the Grammy stage, sliding down a pole, like in a strip club. And I, I almost started to cry because please don't think that I'm taking away their talent. They are talented people, but in a different way than a Grammy. It's not, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not a Grammy. Uh, our opinion on the show about the Grammys is that they kind of need to change their ways anyway. Yeah. Like this year, there were no female nominees in the rock category. I noticed that. I noticed <laughs> Why? That. Because, because you know what? And I'm going to say this. This is political. In the Donald Trump era, it affected everything, including, yeah. including artists and all that. They decided that certain artists were not going to be used ever again or put on a stage or whatever. And they reversed having to 
you know, the soul artists, they didn't even allow them to get Grammys anymore or be on the stage or be or any, anything. They had a certain type of person that they wanted there and you had to be a certain skin tone. All of this stuff, guys, that we had to deal with in the Donald Trump era. And some of it spilled over. Mm-hmm. Some of it spilled over. You know, so I have to say that I'm not exactly you know, happy with everything that I see in the business right now, but I do, you know, people like Taylor Swift, what a sweet person she is. Oh my goodness. I love Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. (laughs) She has the most, she, she's real and she's got a good soul. Every time I see her at a a, um, show, she doesn't know she's going to get an award. She's always clapping for everybody else. And, you know, and and people like Dolly Parton, who's, who's, who's older school than me, She's what an incredible song. What what incredible soul Dolly Parton is. What a generous spirit, good spirit she is. I love Dolly Parton so much. Well, the fact that she just turned down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction when I can't think of another person who deserves it more right now. Neither can I. Just shows her character. And then all the money she's given, she gave a million dollars to to, for AIDS research. Mm -hmm. I mean. COVID research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's got, listen, look at where Dolly came from. She didn't come from wealth. She came from the Smoky Mountains where people were dirt poor. Mm-hmm. She yeah. understands what it's like not to have anything. She understands what it's like to see poor children with no food and no shelter and no shoes on their feet, not be able to go to school. She mm-hmm. knows what that's like. And she is acting out that part brilliantly. I love her so much. I wish I could meet her. I love her. We so do too. We, we want do. to meet her so bad. <laughs> she, we have a thing called the patron saints on our podcast where we take women who have made an impact in rock history. And she is one of our saints. She and is. We love and, her. And well-deserved sisters. Well-deserved my sisters. Well-deserved. <laughs> we love her. <laughs> Um, so you have a big year ahead of you. It's still very early in the year. You're headlining the Dublin Bowie Festival, and then you're yeah. going to go to Germany to work on your next single. Is that yeah. correct? I am so excited because I'm working with a German producer and I'm working with a, 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 a well, two producers, one who's a, a, a singer. His name is David Tobin. He's got a couple records out right now. Fabulous singer, and I'm working with a, a Rob. Um, I forget Rob's last name. Please forgive me, Rob. <laughs> but anyway, he's a German producer, and he's wonderful. He's done like you know some of the the best acts in in the business, and um, I'm just excited to come out with something new uh, because it's about love and about happiness and about positivity and helping us all ladies get through what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with Ukraine, this mm. terrible situation, this terrible man, Vladimir Putin, ugh, mm. he is really the worst. And I yeah. I mean, I thought Donald Trump was bad, but this, this, guess what? They've been talking to each other and communicating with each other the it whole time. The so it comes in really, twos. Yeah, they're really one in the same. They're really mm. one in the same. And I, I, I say, we got to fight on. We have to be warrior sisters. We have to be warrior sisters. We can't let, we have to fight for our rights. Do you see how they're trying to take away our rights? They're mm-hmm. trying to take away Roe v. Wade so you don't even have the right to your own body, what you do with your own body? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, ladies. Hear what I'm saying. Here's, here's another thing. We are dealing right now that we're trying to help the people in Ukraine, but we better be thinking about the voter rights because in 240 uh, 240 yeah. bills in 
in 43 states have already been initiated to suppress voter rights. Yeah. So that means that even if we win, they can bring somebody in and say, nope, you're not, you didn't win. Yeah, it's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely terrifying that we made so much, even though we're not a political podcast, put my political hat on. Like we are made in, so many steps in. forward and then all of a sudden they will do anything to bring it back and yes. say anything to bring that back. And you're absolutely right. Roe v. Wade is a great Because they're all about power. The Republicans yeah. now, you know, even if they didn't like Donald Trump, they like the power. They're all mm, drunk yeah. on the power, the power. And they want to be able to get rid of democracy and to just continue to rule forever, like Xi Jinping or whatever. That's what I even heard Donald Trump say, why couldn't you just have a permanent president like Xi Jinping? That's what he wants to yeah. be the, the ruler and to, to strip this country of all our money, strip it dry and, and take everything out of it and just make it nothing and, and throw people aside like they're dirt, like they're nothing. We can't let it happen, people. We can't. L- ladies out there, we got to vote. I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether they try to pass these laws, people got to get out and vote and get the right ID, get the right things, because they're trying to make it so harder for you if you don't have the right ID. You got plenty of time. Get out there and do it, people. We have to vote. If we don't, we're going to be in an authoritarian government, and we don't want that. We, do, we want our country back. We want to be able to have freedom and democracy in our country as long as it stands. And without without the voters' rights, we can't have it. Yeah. We can't allow the Republicans to just try to make it a one party forever and ever. We can't do it. We can't do yeah. it. Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. We could end the podcast there. That, that's, that's a great... We're going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually... It's time for me to throw it to Beth Ann for lightning round questions. But before I throw it over to her, where can people learn more about you and find your book? Well, you can go to Amazon and get that book. And then there's some bookstores that you can get it into. You can just go right into the bookstore and, and ask for it. But Amazon.com, you can go or Ava Cherry Official. You can get it from there. Um, uh, Aquarius Press, you can get it from there. Um, but I would say go to Amazon and you can get that book. Please, guys, get all the glitters, the Ava Cherry story. And I'll tell you why. Because all I did was just tell you what it was like, this incredible experience from the time that I was a kid and my family and how much I love my family and how much they supported me in everything that I tried to do. If you have parents like that, you are lucky. You are really, really lucky because it doesn't happen all the time. And all I can say is I love them with all my heart and I'm so grateful that they brought me up to the way they did. I'm so grateful. I will second that it's just a great book, a great illustration of the music scene at the time. So if that's your thing, go get a copy. (laughs) Yes, definitely. All right. First lightning round question. What are your top three favorite records? Oh, God, girl, you're asking the hardest question. I I got Mm -hmm. it. That's that's the job. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to tell you one of them. First one. Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Oh, that's one. I mean, I, I, I actually performed that. I love doing that song. I love that's doing a great it's choice. Just, I, I mean, I get a standing ovation when I do that song. Okay. It's it's just the, the groove of it and the way you've got to, you know, move your voice and, and your there's body. There's so many dynamics that Robert Plant brings into that song. So oh, I can yeah. see it translating really well. Oh, yeah. And, and, and then I'm going to say, oh, man. I'm going to say 
and and I love her by by the Beatles by Paul McCartney. It's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, that guitar part just makes me want to cry every single time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, what else? What else would I say? I would probably say Whitney Houston. I'm every woman. Mm, you can't beat it. I was jamming I'm that this morning. Woman, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm, every, I'm every woman, ladies. I'm every woman. We can do it. We can do it, women. We have to. We cannot let them take away the rights we already have. Please okay. listen. Okay? Absolutely. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but do you have a favorite outfit that sticks out in your mind? Favorite outfit? Uh, from on stage. I'm sorry. Favorite oh, um, outfit on stage. Uh, I would say with Luther, the black sequin gown with the train. I have a black, I was wearing a black sequin deco gown and I love the way I look in that gown. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that $20,000 gal baby was That's, my favorite. You can't go wrong with it. I mean, a $10 gown won't do it though. No. <laughs> Ten dollar gown won't do it, girls. Ten dollar gown. That'd be a twenty thousand dollar gown. Yeah, kind of has to be a favorite at that point, huh? Yeah, yeah. And then this is our signature question on the podcast. It's a little bit quirky, but if you were a cereal, which would you be and why? Um. If I was a cereal, I would be whole grain Cheerios. <laughs> I would be, I'd be whole grain Cheerios. So just have power pack pow. <laughs> I think that fits. I love it. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. So love this. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at shewillrockyou.com. There you'll find links to our social, the show notes, and a place where you can contact us. Other than that, don't do drugs.